0: You're listening to Edu Revolution, a podcast that inspires educators to make meaningful change. My name is Michael R. McCormick, and I'm a school district superintendent best known as a technology enthusiast who is dedicated to increasing opportunity and access for each student. I'm sitting down with the movers and shakers who are making waves in the education space through research, practice, and technology integration. Buckle up and be inspired to make changes in your school or district and join the Edu Revolution movement. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. What a great day. Uh, you know, Joe Sanfilippo, who's the guest on the episode today, we first met at George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch. What, you know what? That's a great story, right, Joe? I mean, who gets to say, oh, yeah, by the way, I met at George Lucas's Skywalker <laughs> fantastic. Ranch. Joe, I, I how I are do it you that doing? I'm
1: like, I, what I do is I'm like, you know, so I was at Skywalker Ranch the other day, just hanging out, presenting. You know how it works, right? And then I met a bunch of people there. It was fantastic. It's like one of those things that just happens to everybody. That doesn't happen to everybody. What an incredible experience I'm, that that place, I mean, of all the places that I've ever been to, there's just something different about that place. And to be in a, in the, like in, in uh, like a theater room where, you know, uh, things, you know, that, that star Wars movies were being watched after they were created by the people who created them like that was, and then having your stuff on the same screen. Oh yeah. my gosh. It Great was amazing. experience. Well, just, just, you know, weather check. <laughs>
0: Temperature today in Fall Creek, Wisconsin.
1: It is a balmy 28 degrees. There's some snow, but not a ton. Here's the thing. It wasn't awful. I actually, I I walked outside to get, uh, you know, I typically walk in the closest door possible once November hits because I hate being outside in the cold, but it wasn't awful. It was like 30 degrees when I walked across the street and my, my, uh, the tears from my eyes didn't freeze on the way over. That's a good start. Um, so I think I'm going to take this as long as I can, because in a month, we're going to be talking about, you know, minus 10 for like days on end. So how about how about there? What's it like there?
0: Yeah. So Southern California, we're going to be 70 degrees today.
1: Oh, uh, you poor little lamb? Are you going to be OK? <laughs> you, you're going to be you're going to be all right. Like you don't don't go outside for too long. Right. I don't it, want, the I sun want to. Yeah. To. I want
0: to avoid exposure. You know, right. it could be trouble.
1: So, so when you get to like like six o'clock, you're gonna have to wear like a sweatshirt or something at six o'clock. When it gets to like sixty, yeah,
0: it does get a little chilly in the evening, Joe. Yeah,
1: you, yeah, uh, don't don't do this, my <laughs> friend. Don't do this. Like, yeah, I the the automatic car starter in Wisconsin is a necessity. It's a necessity because if you can start it and get it warmed up before you have to walk out into it, world is a lot better. Oh, I love that. Hey, you know. One of the things that I love that you did
0: is the one minute walk to work. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that a little bit, because I, I think it's just such a great concept. And you've mm-hmm. covered some amazing topics in like 60 seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah we always try. Well, so it's really interesting because I just like I, Saturday mornings are a time where I do come to school a lot and. I'm not trying to do this while I work seven, you know, six days a week or whatever. It's just that in the, in the morning when my family's sleeping, I'm a super loud person. So if I'm in the house, I'm making noise and that's not good for anybody to sleep in. So I just started walking across to school and doing some work here and sometimes not doing work here just because I was so close, I could just get to school relatively easy, but at least I was away and. My family could sleep and I felt good about that. And so when I was walking across the street, I kept thinking about little, you know, leadership nuggets. I would be wake up in the morning. I think, well, I'm going to read about this or research some of this. And then I just thought about it, you know, I just kept thinking about it. And uh, when I started walking across the street, I thought, well, I'm just going to record what I'm thinking about when it comes to leadership. And, and, um, it was one of those things that kind of just took off. I didn't have any indication that it was going to, but people started to like them and then they really started to like them. And then I felt like I wanted to keep doing them. And I always kind of go back to this concept and, and that is that I don't want it to be something that's forced. So there'll be there'll be times where I'll do, you know, three weeks in a row. And then there'll be times like now, like the last one I did was probably about four weeks ago, now that I think about it, but I just haven't had anything to say, you know, I mean, you know, I just haven't. So I don't want it to feel like it's forced and, you know, you know, produced or anything like that. I just want to feel like it's walking across the street, thinking about leadership and how you can do it a little bit differently. So I think we're, I think I've got about, Gosh, I want to say close to 80. Yeah. Is it something like that? Yeah, well, there's a lot. And with a, a really cool project that's come out of it is I, it, a couple years ago, I was really stuck. And, and I was trying to write another book and I was just stuck. I hadn't I just couldn't think of anything that would be like the next brick in the wall of leadership, you know, to just to contribute on some level. And I was getting kind of frustrated because I'm not a, I'm not a writer by trade. I don't love it. And um, so I kind of just got frustrated and put it down and I started doing these videos. And so what ended up happening across the board is that all of these videos, you know, all close to 80 of them have kind of sparked the interest in putting them all together in a book. And so I just, just finished that. And all of the whole book, it's called lead from where you are, but all of the, the stories from that book are things that came about through these walks. So if people like the walks, now we just dive a little deeper into those in terms of, you know, activity and leadership opportunity and uh, intention and connection and direction and everything that goes along with it. I think that they'll, I think they'll enjoy it and it gave it much more purpose than it, than it was just me sitting in a room trying to write my ideas down.
0: Yeah. You know, just the authenticity of it. Mm -hmm. You know, know. it's almost like we get to take a walk to work with Joe and who wouldn't want to do that? And, you know, all kidding aside, I I think. Let me just say it like this. One of the important things, I think, for leaders, whether you're a building level leader or a district level leader, is to give people a window into your thinking. What Mm -hmm. what are you contemplating during those quiet moments of your day? And I think, Joe, this is what it's such a brilliant idea. Because you're mm-hmm. allowing people into your world, the things you're thinking about, the things you might be struggling with. And, you know, what, what do you see as the path forward? Cause I don't see you as a frowny face kind of a guy. And I think yeah. that's another part of being a leader is whether you're really feeling that, I think it's important to project that, Hey, we're, we're doing something good today for kids. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think people find that inspiring,
1: Well, I I hope that they find it. I I think the first word they use was authentic and just and real. And that's what I want. That's the first and most important thing for me is that they feel like it's coming from the right place. And I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you, I made a ton of mistakes. And so if there was a way to help people through the process by kind of rethinking some of those mistakes and how I should have done it differently and where I screwed up then hopefully people will be in a place where they'll feel better about their leadership because, uh, you know, because they may not have the answer at the right time as well. So that's been really, it's been therapeutic for me too, because I, I don't have all the answers, but at the same time, when I can, you know, be vulnerable enough to share it, it kind of puts me in a better place in terms of feeling like, okay, well, I've got that figured out now. So I feel better about the direction that we're going. And we try to be really upbeat and positive about it and, at the same time, not like unicorn rainbow, you know, Pollyanna about it because leadership is really, really hard. And uh, it can't be roses and all that stuff all the time. It's got to be real. But there's always, you know, we can always choose the way that we react to certain situations. And if I can end every one of those things by saying we're all in this thing together, you know, I mean, then I think that people kind of bring it back to where it started, which is if you develop le- capacity to lead, you're going to be a much better leader in your position.
0: So well said. Yeah, a lot of things you... um kind of made me think about and and one of them that I'm really high on is this idea that there is no courage without vulnerability. Yeah. And you know it's the whole Brené Brown thing, right, where vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean weakness. What vulnerability means in this context is hey, we're uncertain about the future. We don't know exactly how this is going to go. And mm-hmm. to kind of share those moments with people, I think it it's not only therapeutic for us, but it also creates that psychological safety for the people that we're interacting with to say, "Hey, this guy or gal mm-hmm. is sharing some deep moments right now," and and maybe just maybe those ideas can help shorten the runway for somebody else's initiative that they're working on. You know, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about about doing you know this. What we're doing right now is you know you're a long ways away. But in essence, we're facing many, many of the same challenges. And so, you know, and and I think especially when times are tough, we think about the the pandemic that we're that we're in. This is the time to expand our network. This is not the time Mm -hmm. to be isolating. We we really want to try and get out there because people are doing all kinds of amazing work uh, at this time. But, Joe, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I have twin girls. They're now 26. And. One of my daughters, a couple of years ago, this was pre pandemic, first year teacher, you visited her school district. Oh, great. And she, let me just say this my street cred with my kid went up when I said, <laughs> hey, I'm going to have Joe Sanfilippo on the Edgy Revolution podcast. And she was like, no, that dude was awesome. And I just, I wanted to give you that moment because you really yeah. touched my daughter's. Life Good. at such an impressionable time in her career, you know, brand new teacher right out the gate. She's going to her very first, you know, opening schools experience where everybody's yeah. gathered together in the gym or the theater, and she hears Joe Sanfilippo. and And I remember that day when she came home. She's like, "I I was just so inspired. <laughs> I was so motivated by this guy." And I'm like. I know that
1: dude, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. I love doing it. But here's the really interesting thing about it is the stuff that I was talking to her about on that day. You've probably said to her 10 times, right? It's just when it comes from a different voice, it sounds a little bit different. Like, Oh my, it's like, it happens when I bring somebody in here to speak to our, to our staff. And i and after they're done, you know, our staff members will come up to me like, did you hear what he said about that? Like, she was amazing. Did you hear what she said? It was great. And I wanna say, like, man, we've been talking about this for six years. Like, what's going on? But it's, sometimes it's just a different voice that gives you a different perspective. And it, as a leader, you gotta be okay with that. However, the message gets there, the message gets there. And we gotta be clear on that. So I love doing the opening stuff. I, I just like, there's so much energy that you can help bring uh, to that space in, in a time where you know we're just we're we're so concerned at the beginning of the year with getting all the stuff ready right like all the name tags ready and the stuff that hangs on the wall and the you know all the rosters and the schedule and I just keep telling people like the most important thing to get ready for the school year is you. And if you don't take the time with your colleagues to just take a step back and realize that the impact that you have on the people around you is profound, then you're always trying to get to the checklist stuff, which is the next, the next, the next. And you never get a chance to step back and realize that you're having an absolute incredible impact on kids, on teachers, on colleagues, on communities. So we really try to come back to that idea of how can we take care of each other in this moment? Because when the kids come, you're going to blink and it's going to be <coughs> May, And you're going to think, my goodness, what just happened? So that's been really fun to do. Joe, you're speaking my love language.
0: And, and I'll yeah. tell you, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a mutual colleague of ours, John Carippo. Mm -hmm. And um, he was highlighting, you know, in some systems, you have these teachers that, you know, they keep the calendar and every day that goes by, they put an X in the calendar. And they're always the ones that know exactly when the last day of school is and and (laughs) how many days to go. And uh, Joe and I were having this or or, uh, John and I were having this conversation thinking, you know, like as a teacher, this is not a one year relationship. You're entering into a 20 or 25 year relationship. And if teachers think about it from that perspective, it's like that's a game changer. And and I don't know. You know, I'm getting older. I think uh, you might be a little younger than I am. But now I'm now at the point in my career where I have former students who I was their middle school principal or their high school principal. And they're now coming back to work in the district as teachers and counselors. Right. And that's the stuff that just. You know, I say, look, I'm not tempting fate here, but I could die a happy man. That's how much this means to me is to see our kids come back and be willing to give of themselves and share themselves and their experiences in the community that helped raise them. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, there there is no greater. Now, have you been doing it long enough? Because I I know you taught elementary school at some point in your career. Mm -hmm. Have you have some of those kids come back around and you stay in touch with them?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So my first, here's a really interesting thing. So a couple of years ago I was, um, it, it, cause it's happened a bunch of times at this point, not, not particularly here in my building because I got here in 2010 and I was the elementary principal in 2010. So a lot of those kids now are coming through or getting to the place where, um, you know, where they're getting through college or that kind of thing. But anyway, so the, um, so when a couple years ago, I went back and keynoted an event that welcome back to school event at uh, in Pulaski, Wisconsin, which is who hired me to teach second grade right out of college. And I'm, I'm in the building. And I went, and I, here's the thing. I wanted to go back to my room and the room that I started my career in and just kind of sit there and have this big rush of nostalgia because, you know, I spent so much time and money and in, that place, <laughs> I met my, my wife in that hallway. Like I, the, all of those things are right there. And so I was waiting for this big rush of nostalgia and it never came. And it's just everything in the room looked the same. And I'm thinking to myself, man, maybe oh, it just didn't mean as much to me as I thought. But so I'm walking through to go, go to where the keynote is. And as I'm walking through the hallway to get to the keynote, there was a big uh, cafeteria and I'm walking through the cafeteria and I, and I make eye contact with this huge man, like huge man. Right. And he smiles. And the second that he smiled, I knew exactly who he was. And I was thrown back into my second grade classroom because he was a second grader in my class. And that was his first day teaching second grade In that school district, and so I had a picture of him and me in second grade, and I got a picture of me and him on his on his first day teaching second grade, and. All I could think of were all of the moments that happened throughout in the middle and all the things that he remembered about second grade that I had no idea <laughs> that I did or we did as a class. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But it, They mattered to him because they connected with him. So what a great experience to be able to see a kid. Yeah who you knew could lead in second grade, come back and lead in that same space, uh, to a brand new group of second grade kids. And right now his name is Colin Evendroth Ab- Ab- and he's actually in um, in Arizona now and looking to get into administration. So I, I just, I feel so strongly about, you know, the, the, the way that we try to help people get back into a, an incredible profession, but just to make sure that they do the best they can for themselves. We live in a profession that we don't get the immediate gratification, right? Like, so a kid will come back into your classroom 20 years after they had you as a teacher and they'll say, oh, you know, I really liked your class. It was a really great class. And what you want to say to them is, man, you could have said something when you were here (laughs) because I thought you hated every second of this joint. So I think we don't, but when those moments come, they, they make it worth it. And I think if we can create more of those moments for the people we serve, then there's a better chance for the momentum to get built moving forward. Yeah, I don't know about your kids, but my kids don't
0: wake up in the morning and go, you know, Dad, I'm so grateful for you. Mom, right, right, I right, love right. you.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, and, but but later on, you know, as they get older, you do get little glimpses of that. Yeah. So I want to share it. Yeah, I agree. I want to share an experience with you that I had and get your okay. thoughts on it. So. You know, we, uh, in, my, in my home school district, Valverde Unified, we were super excited. We had a neighboring school district come up just like two weeks ago, and they wanted to know about our portrait of a graduate and STEAM initiatives and some of the things we're doing to connect with our community and families, uh, you know, things that we're really excited about, our equity work. And so they brought a team of 12, so superintendent, a couple of board members, uh, middle school principal, high school principal, elementary principals. They had even a nonprofit person with them. I think I may have gotten that a little mixed up, but so we <laughs> were talking to him about the district and you know, if you've hosted people in your district, this is a really exciting yeah. kind of affirming time for you because when somebody else reaches out and says, Hey, we, we hear you doing some great stuff. We'd love to come down and check it out. Well, that's like, you know, having somebody over to the house, you're excited to host them. So we get the presentation rolling and we're going to visit a couple of schools and show them actually what it looks like. So we're not just talking about it. We're actually going to go see some of the things. So we talk about our portrait of a graduate and we're using steam and STEM and doing a lot of uh, PBL uh, kind of work. And um, so we spent a lot of time at the district office kind of going through this As I, as I reflect on it, it was a pretty long presentation. So we're Mm -hmm. out visiting our first school and uh, one of the board members says to me, but how did you actually change Mike? How did you actually like get these changes to happen? And I was like, oh man, I just, I felt this, like I felt my face go kind of like flush, like. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a real missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I started mm-hmm. talking about some of the things. And this is where I want to get your your input is I started saying, you know, for me, it's always been kind of like first thing I think is the answers are from within the district. The The answers are present in the district if you go searching for them, whatever problems you're trying to solve. That's that's been a constant in my leadership journey. The other thing is, I really believe in this kind of concept of motivate, not mandate. And I think if you go out and you've you've, like when I visit classrooms and we do this regularly, we have systems for this where we bring even our association leadership with us. That's where we find the best ideas is by looking in people's classrooms. And then what I started doing is I would go on these walkabouts And early, early on, I don't know if you remember the flip cameras. I would take one of those little flip cameras with me and I would film the things that I that I wanted to see replicated. Right. So I was I was only filming those teachers in teaching and learning moments that I wanted to recognize and expand. And so I would take that several video clips edit it together like a first gen iPad or something like that yeah, <laughs> and, right, right. And, and give that to the principal and say, Hey, at your next, um, you know, staff meeting, show this video. It's, it's all the great things that are happening in your school. And then social media came along and flip cameras kind of went out the wayside and we've got all that technology on our cell phones. So that kind of expanded to, well, let's just, you know, take quick pictures of, The things that, again, we want to see, they're promoting our initiatives are great, innovative things that are happening in our classrooms. And let's post those things in gratitude on social media. And it's almost like success begets success. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of been my approach to change. And the board member said to me, well, why didn't you start with that? Because (laughs) that's what I needed to hear, you know, is how we actually do this. You wrote. Hacking leadership and Mm -hmm. you might be I don't know if there's some things in there that might relate to that. So I guess I would say, you
1: know, do you use a similar approach or are you doing something different? That's a great question because I feel the same way sometimes. Here's the thing. I actually almost feel embarrassed sometimes because people say, hey, you guys have a great culture and I see the go cricket stuff everywhere we go. And, you know, everybody's wearing it and they get recognized and they want to talk about it. And and, you know, your staff members go to conferences and they present and then people want to take pictures with them and all that stuff. Like we want to see that. So let's, can we come to your school and see what that really looks like in the hallways? and. And I want to tell them, like, like you know, if you're here during certain periods of the year, you're going to see all that stuff on display. But if you're here a lot of times, all you're going to see is that kids are being treated the right way and adults are being treated the right way. And that there's, you know, happiness in the hallways. But at the same time, you know, you may not get that. Oh, like everybody's, you know, got tattoos or something like that. That's not what it's all about. So I kept telling people that you can come and I can get you into the, you know, some great spaces. But at the same time, you got to build that from where you're at. Like the, the answer to building a great school culture and, and brand promise and everything that goes along with it is starting with the, you know, people inside. Because if the brand promise doesn't match the brand experience, then you find yourself kind of <laughs> trying to you know pick up from behind and try to figure out what's going on. So I think we've tried to take the approach that you did in that um, the, there's great things happening here. And I honestly believe like over the course of time, as anything, I think the whole mentality or the whole notion of how important it is to tell the story of your school has kind of got watered down because we haven't defined what it's supposed to look like. So people think, well, if I'm just posting stuff, it's going to be fine. And it's not even about posting stuff. It's about making sure that you leverage the moments. You mentioned with that teacher that you acknowledge the work and then you expanded the work somewhere else, right? We live by this mentality of recognize, acknowledge, extend. And that's how we built this whole model, right? Like you put yourself in the right mindset to recognize the greatness that's happening around you with your kids, with your colleagues, with everybody that's going on. So you've done something to start your day, to put yourself in the right mindset think about how you start your day Mike like think about how many leaders start their day by coming into the office and checking their email and answering their messages and signing some forms and by the time they get to the things that they want to do they're already in the wrong mindset to do those things because I don't know if it's like that there but there aren't a ton of people emailing the superintendent of schools at six o'clock in the morning with great things to say about the school so now all of a sudden I'm in a bad mentality to see great things so I'm not there so what am I doing to put myself in the right mindset to recognize the greatness. And as I recognize the greatness, in that moment, do I acknowledge to the second grade teacher that not only did I see what happened, but I acknowledge that it's great work. So now I've acknowledged it to that person. So those are two great things. But when you do the third thing, when you expand the conversation about what happened in second grade to the eighth grade teacher down the hall and tell them what happened in second grade, what inevitably happens is the eighth grade teacher will walk to the second grade teacher's classroom and tell her what, she, what he heard about her because at some point somebody did it for him and it felt good. And we all want to live in a place where we feel like the work that we're doing has value. And it's great that the superintendent can come in and take a picture and post it on social media, but it's more impactful when the person next door knows the impact that you're having on your work, because here's what happens. What ends up happening is we'll go to the person next door to talk to them about all the stuff that people are struggling with, but we don't go to the person next door to say, I taught a great lesson and it was awesome and see what happened. And the kids were. We're so excited, and the reason we don't do it is we're afraid that the colleague next door is going to say, "Like, don't do that. Don't tell anybody about that because I don't want to do that. So don't do it." Right? Yeah, we might have and to so work harder. About yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, right?
0: It's like let's. So that's
1: that whole mentality of yeah. recognize, acknowledge, extend has totally changed the way that we get the momentum out there because it's not just about telling the story of schools; it's about leveraging the moment. And if you can leverage the the moment by Tapping into the emotion of the moment, there's a better chance for the story to be told beyond the event in which it happened.
0: Yeah. And it's the other thing I think about, totally agree with that, is this concept of creating a green light culture or a yes culture. And what I see in in my own district. And so we're, you know, 20,000 students, 21 schools, you know, fairly large operation is that. There are always pockets of innovation. There are always teachers and staff that are doing incredible things. But the system in general is always fighting for homeostasis, right? No change, no change. Yeah. And so what yeah. I see, so I feel like it's my job to go out and like go out in search of those great things create the green light culture and expand the awareness of that work that's already happening. And sometimes that work is happening on the fringes of the organization. And so how do we create a a time and space where we can take that work that's happening on the fringes and fold it into the core and kind of creating that green light culture, that culture of yes, is saying, Hey, you are doing something really cool here and I value what you're doing and I'd love to see it scaled, you know, throughout not only your building, but throughout the entire district. And that to me is creates that sense of psychological safety. It creates, because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not saying to that that individual or that team of, of teachers that's doing these amazing things that you're, Uh, I think you said it best that you could be criticized by your colleagues for stepping out and trying Mm. something different. I want to create that green light culture where I'm going to honor that and spread it uh, and talk about it. And then I think it also fuels those teachers who might be thinking like, man, I'm putting in all this energy, but I feel like I don't have a team with me. Uh, And so sometimes they search Uh out on social media and they find their team on social media through their PLN and things like that. And I think there's, you know, some some great work that's happening around, you know, in search of your PLN, find your tribe, so to speak. But oftentimes those same teachers are not recognized in their own school districts for the great stuff we're working. It's kind of like the story that you and I talked about. Like our kids, we're just dad. You know, I get home and my wife says, take out the trash buddy. You're nobody special here. Right. So (laughs) I get that. Wholeheartedly. So I I I love because I think when I hear you talk, Joe, I, I hear a lot of talk about the heart work. The heart work. And and that to me is the also the crux of bringing entire systems through change is to create that green light culture, a culture of yes, a culture of psychological safety. Because I think another piece of this that's our responsibility is to say out loud, if you try something and it screws up, you're okay. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is that that's got to be the default. Try something and it doesn't work out as long as you're honest about what it really looked like. So, and, and that's a big deal for us is that we put ourselves in a position to make sure that there's growth across the district. There's great things happening in our district of literally 800. See, here's the thing that's really interesting to me, Mike, is that we are a district, you're a district of 20,000 students. We're a district of 825 kids. And we get to talk about what we do on platforms like this because we talk about what we do. The things that are happening in Fall Creek. Wisconsin are fantastic. The things that are happening in your district are fantastic, but we get to talk about them on a scale that, that other people should just because we started to talk about it. And I think that changes the conversation. So here's how we take that mentality on. The first thing is we have to understand that everybody's A to B is different, right? And nobody's going to move to be if you don't value where their A is, as even if it's not where you want them to be. Like if you can value where they start, there's a better chance that they're gonna move forward. Because when you don't value where they start, they start to ask questions like, Well, how come I didn't get any recognition for that? Or why don't they talk about the work that I'm yeah. I'm working hard too? Right. And then they get almost resentful. So when we talk about where they start, how can we move everybody forward? And for us, it was giving people ownership of the process. So for you know, we want kids to own learning. That's what we want, right? And so when you tell your staff or when people used to tell their staff, and I was one of these people that said, we need kids to own learning. We need kids to own learning. They need to own their learning. And everybody kind of got sick of me saying it. And it wasn't that they didn't want them to own their learning it's that they didn't know Mm. what it looked like and what it felt like to own their learning so when you flip that and you put that into the hands of the adults and we've we've had uh, our PD program over the course of the last seven years has been uh, you know all revolving around this passion project mentality where every one of our staff members gets to pick a passion project something that they want to do Anything that's going to help them get better as an educator. And we give them time, resource, and opportunity throughout the course of the year. We give them days that are dedicated to only those goal days, right? And they can work with a partner, they can work on their own, whatever they want. It's their time, but they have to really invest in their own learning and they have to have a student data component that kind of brings it back. It could be any student data component, but it comes back to the learning piece. So when they own their learning and they take it throughout the course of the year, and then at the end of the year, instead of handing in You know, a paper pencil reflection on this is how I learned throughout the course of the year, which is what a lot of them are doing, you know, in their classroom too. we instead of doing that, we have this street fair, which essentially puts everybody in the gym on a table with your learning on display and you get to explain your learning to your colleagues over the course of a two hour period where everybody gets a chance to just have a conversation about how they learned and how they grew throughout the course of the year. So what ends up happening with that whole mentality is that now we've, we've honored their time by giving them an opportunity to learn on their own and learn what they want. We've gave it, you know we've given them some expectations in terms of there has to be a student data component. We've also put it on display. So now their their staff members, their colleagues can see what they've been learning and make connections to what they're doing. So now guess what happens with kids? The same thing happens with kids after we started doing that. And we didn't even have to say, you need to do it. You need to do it. It just happened because people knew what it felt like to own their learning and they liked it. And we've given a a survey every year. We've had this process every year for the last seven years. We've given a survey. It has one question on it. And the question is, does this process make you a better teacher? It's never gone below 94% yes with our staff members ever. They value it. They want it. And if people aren't utilizing it the way that we want them to utilize it, I don't have to say anything because colleagues will take care of themselves and say, hey, man, like we love this. Don't screw this up. So let's keep moving forward. And that, I think, has been a really big uh, push for us to get the recognition out there, but also take people along their own journey. It's not my journey. It's theirs. I'm just part of the story to help get it out there as much as I can. Yeah.
0: How many times? I mean, I'm, you know, guilty as charged too. the kids need to own their learning. We want student agency, you know, but what about the adults in the system? Do they get a chance to own their learning and their profession and the work they're doing? And it seems like you've you've really turned that on its head. And, um, and I love that. Uh, And, and
1: yeah, it's been great. And our teachers love it. And our teachers now that's one of the things that they get the most recognition for. So our, our staff will probably go to three or four conferences throughout the course of this year, not in this state. Like they'll go all over the place. We'll take a group to Michigan. We've taken a group to Illinois. We've taken a group to Idaho. We've taken a group to Minnesota. I mean, like, then they'll just go talk about the work that they're doing in this regard, and all of a sudden, that turns into something that they can hang their hats on because they built it. I didn't build it; they built it from the ground up. So I'm just, you know, trying to be the microphone. Well, you try on to be the microphone,
0: thing. and and you're it, to me that's that's a beautiful example of this green light culture, this culture of yes, hey, you yeah, pursue absolutely. the things that you're passionate about. Let me create the space. You know, collectively, we can figure out how to do this. What are the guardrails? You know, that that's it. and And we're right. we're empowering teachers to pursue the things that they're interested in. And I think that's that's something that's been missing. So, Joe, brilliant idea, because we. We've had so much attention on the kids, which is, don't get me wrong, that's where it should be. I don't want to get any bad emails on that, but at the same time, (laughs) you know, like we think about the four C's and that's always in relation to students, but what about the four C's for adults and how are are they building capacity around those things? So I love that. Well, Joe, we're coming to the end of the time here today, but I always like to ask this question. What are you grateful for? What's on your gratitude list?
1: Man, that's that's such a great question. I am I am grateful for my family. I'm grateful for being supported in the work. Uh I'm I'm grateful for a group of people who were willing to let you know joe kind of superintendent the way that joe wanted to try to superintendent and the board has been so supportive in that in that role and um i i think that i i don't know if, if the way that we've tried to roll this thing out would work everywhere but it works here because the people were willing to give it a chance and try to think do things a little bit differently and um, and I'm so thankful that they were because I come to school every day and I can walk into a classroom and see, you know, teachers and kids connecting. And and it's it's about the relationships that are built. And so I'm absolutely thankful for family first, but for everything after everything after that gives you purpose to walk through the hallways, to walk into a classroom to walk, uh, outside and really, you know, that whole mentality of walking with purpose shows up the minute that you get inside this, this, uh, this yeah, building. I
0: love that. And I probably say I love that too much, but I really do love that. And I, and I mean, yeah, um, good, you know, I've often said that, and I've said this to my own, uh, my own kids, my, my twins, and I hope you find a job that you love so much that you can't believe you get paid to do it and it is truly your passion right. and you're fulfilled by the work. And I mean, to me, that's, well, what do they say if you know that you never work a day in your life, right? If, if that's, if that's what you right. have been fortunate enough to find and it sounds like you found that home in in fall Creek and I, And I appreciate you mentioning the board because I feel the same way about my board of education, like local context matters Mm -hmm. and you have to pay attention to local context. Mm -hmm. But if you get board members and community that are supportive of what you're trying to do and they know you love the kids and you want the best for the kids in the community, um, you know, that is just to me, there is no greater feeling than that. So congratulations Mm -hmm. to you. And maybe we'll I I just want to throw this out because when we met at Skywalker, you told the story about being in the room with President Obama at the time and you did a high five or a fist
1: bump, didn't you, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i uh i i did i i reached out we like, were told not touch to the president not to do anything <laughs> don't do the right don't stand up don't do it and he came in man he he was he was so close that i'm like well i'm never getting this chance again so i just reached out i went i went full-on half <laughs> hug with the guy so it, it 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 was it was not my best i was very lucky to not get knocked out by somebody but he had started coming down the the row and i would just happen to be the the second person in line there and and uh yeah i, w- I went i went all in. and th- and then he came back after his speech i did the same thing i went right back at the <laughs> hug i did like that's what it's going to be we're, we're going to go twice at this thing and if i get kicked out of here that's that's, that's right. a great story too it. yeah
0: sometimes you got to be willing to put your foot on the other side of the line and step out yeah well i, I don't know <laughs> if the white house is a place to do that
1: mike but i'll tell you Apparently I, I did. Love it.
0: Joe, thanks for being on the show today. It was great connecting with you. Have a wonderful rest you of the too, day. You too. It
1: was great seeing you. Go Crickets.
0: Thank you for listening today. I hope you feel inspired to be the change our students need. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can connect with me on Twitter at Mike underscore McCormick 2 and Instagram at Michael R. McCormick. And hop on over to the EduRevolutionPodcast.com website for free resources that support your next change initiative.